0: The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this week's episode of Mule Talk, we have a reoccurring guest. We have Rachel Ann, the director of the Hee Haw Halfway House. Rachel, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me here again. Hey, did you get your hay up? (laughs) Yes. So, I have been furiously sagging hay like many in the country at the moment, and like many of us, it is... uh, Hot as monkey anatomical bits. And so we're. <laughs> right. I'm, I've been uh, sweating um, quite a bit, but it's a good workout, and I'm happy to have hay in the barn. So.
0: Very good. good. Yeah, that is a good thing to have hay in the barn. That's when you know yeah, things absolutely. are going right. There you go. You've got a mule story to share with me?
1: Yeah. So, amazingly, on Mule Talk, um, even though we're going to talk about donkeys later, I actually have a mule story. So I accidentally ended up with a mule today, and I'll tell you how. Uh, <laughs> I know this, this is something that would only happen to a, a real mule and donkey person, but... Uh, so I, I looked on Craigslist, which is always a terrible idea. Right, Believe right. it or not, I didn't find the mule on Craigslist. This is just the beginning of the story. So I get on Craigslist, and I find miniature heavy harness, Ooh. and I've been looking for miniature heavy harness for like five years I've been able to find light harness but never heavy harness with a collar and hames and all the deal and I've been really wanting wanting some of that over the years for various things but right now I already have a miniature mule that just really needs to work hard she's young she's five years old she's just starting to learn to drive she's got a lot of tude and I love it and also she needs to calm a little so I would like for her to be dragging my arena. So part of that is, of course, making a good drag for her, and the other half is she really can't do that in light harness. It's it's not appropriate. Ah. So I've been searching for heavy harness. So I finally found some down in Longmont, Colorado, which is about 45 minutes from me. And I get there, and a friend of mine messages me on the way there, and she said, oh, you're going to get some heavy harness, cool. Uh, this, you know, I, and she heard that the woman had mules there, mini mules and mini donkeys and many horses and was breeding them, that kind of thing. She said, don't come back with a mule. And so, of course, I said, I'm not there for a mule. I'm there for a mini harness. So I go and I buy the mini harness and I said, hey, you know, can I pet your mules? Ah. That was a bad <laughs> bad idea, <right? laughs> Hey, it <laughs> happens. <girl> goes downhill. <laughs> <laughs> so I go out there and the first thing that happens is a mini mule that looks like a Perfect matched pair to the one I have. Another Woo! Molly, a little taller, but almost the same coloring. Even has some dark somatic spots on her coat. Just beautiful. Comes right up to me, puts her head in my arms, and just ah. snuggles. Oh. And I mean, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I said, oh, she's so sweet. And the woman said, hey, she is yours for four hundred dollars. And I was like, sold. <laughs> <laughs> oh no
0: so, uh,
1: yeah so now i i'm gonna be picking her up next week because colorado is a brand inspection state so we need to get a brand inspection done right before, right uh she goes anywhere but i am now the proud owner of a matched pair of mini mules um and one heavy harness wow <laughs> uh so anyway that's that's my story for today and how i ended up with another mule um and uh, I'm sure that my boyfriend's going to call me up later and say, did it lick you? Because as soon as it licks you, you want it. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, she didn't lick me, but she did snuggle, and that was enough for sure. So <laughs> she's not trained to do anything, so I'll be doing all the training. But that's how oh. I ended up with the mini mule. Well, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless you're a collector like I am. and But I am, I am selling a horse, so, you know, the long year... Is going
0: up and the shorter accounts going down this week. So. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> All right. Wow, you got priorities. I
1: like that. Exactly. Exactly. Apparently, that's my priority right now.
0: So, so uh, tell yeah. me about uh, donkey welfare because um, I, I feel like they are really becoming popular and people will just think, oh, we can just snatch them up and take them home. So, yeah. So,
1: it's a big deal. I mean, all over the world, honestly, people would think that dogs and cats are have the highest percentage of welfare issues throughout the world, but it's actually donkeys. And a big part of that is that a lot of people aren't even aware that there's a welfare issue with donkeys throughout the world. Yeah. Um, the, the welfare issues in the U.S. are very different, of course, than other parts of the world. So right. You get to... Um, you know, your Asian countries and you've got the, and I'm going to say this wrong probably, but the Elisho issue or Elisho, I don't know how it's said, but it's basically the donkey hide. Yes, um, yes. It's trade. And so there's that issue and that's starting to spread to other countries, including Africa right. and the UK. And then of course in countries in um, Africa and um, some of the um you know, other countries north of Africa, there's going to be, um, you know, like a, kind of like the Arab countries, that sort of thing. There's there's going to be some welfare issues with animals that don't have um, good fitting harness or other tack or uh, maybe not enough good farrier care or veterinary care just because it's, you know, the countries are relying on them for transportation and sometimes they don't have the availability of veterinarians or good... Um, You know, references for for how to build correct tack for their animals and how to take care of them properly. Um, And so there's issues with that in those countries. And then here in the US, the issues are very different, but just as important and just as severe. So here in the US, what I see oftentimes, and and I'll say, you know, I see quite a bit through Facebook, but also through running the rescue, the issues that I'm coming across specifically here, which I think are pretty representative of Mm -hmm. most of the country, are obesity, so nutrition issues, issues with training for lifting feet, and farrier care, right? Okay. And then... And then really an, an issue basically, which you know, this kind of goes along with it. So the training and farrier being two different issues. So the training in general that the animals aren't handled correctly and therefore you cannot vet them correctly or handle them correctly for any sort of um, you know, healthcare. And so those, all of those things can go hand in hand. They're all sort of intertwined but they're slightly different issues, right? And so this is causing problems in terms of there's a lot of people who just aren't aware and by the time that they're made aware or they understand that something is going wrong it's too late in terms of irreversible damage to the animal
0: oh sure and
1: so that's that's where i'm trying to get some education out with with through the outreach through my rescue but also through the starting the doggy book series to have really good references for care, nutrition, um, a little bit on the hoof care, although there's some other people who are doing amazing work on educating about hoof care, including uh, like Megan Hensley, who's the donkey farrier who's world renowned for her work and for training people um, through her online courses, how to trim and giving them a lot of resources. She's amazing. Um, But there's a lot of other people doing good work on that. And so I've been focusing mostly on the training and the nutritional care of the animal so that the animal can be cared for, you know, in terms of their, their nutrition, in terms of veterinary care, in terms of handling them for, for handling any sort of issues that are coming up with them. And then also for hoof handling because that's really important as well. So they all intertwine. And uh, that's what I'm seeing the most of here at the rescue, at the Heehaw halfway house. I would say probably 85 to 90% of the rescues that come in here are obese. Mm. They have fat pads on their bodies. They have um, fat on their crests. Their crests are hard and their crests are oftentimes um, actually broken. So when it gets fat enough on top of their crest, which is the place where they like to store fat it will actually break the nuchal ligament that Mm. holds the crest
0: of their, the top of their
1: neck up. And so that will actually flop over, which is also an issue in mules. It can happen in mules as well. Right, right. And so that's something that I see. Oftentimes they have issues with that. Um, I would say... 95 to 99% of the donkeys I get in here can't have their feet handled. They don't know what hoof handling is or they've had mm. very rough handling. Sure. They're very frightened of you being near their feet. Mm. Uh, most of them, you can't fly spray, you can't halter. So there's just a lot of things going on that prevent you from caring for the animal properly. And that's why all of the animals that come here go through our, my training program in order to get all these skills before they leave, because I'm certainly not going to let them leave here without a really good foundational set of skills. And then the the people who come to adopt donkeys here, if they decide on a, a set of donkeys to adopt and they're approved, they're required to come here for training sessions to learn how to continue the training because just because I've trained them to do it doesn't mean they'll do it for other people they're very specific in their thinking so just because a donkey will do something for me doesn't mean that they'll let somebody just walk up to them and do it, especially if they're a little nervous or unsure. They're not doing it the same way I am. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to me that I see that the animals are responding well to the the people that are gonna take them. Otherwise, it's it's not a match that's appropriate, right? So um, I really want my adopters to have success. So for instance, today, actually, after I worked with the rescue donkeys, I, I trimmed one donkey today, a mammoth today, and then I did work with a small standard who, you know, was not catchable. When she got here a week ago, she now catches. She leads a little bit, and she's learning to pick up her feet. and She's getting fly sprayed and that's in a week. And she, uh, the, the first, uh, the first couple of days, I had to rope her <laughs> to get her caught. So that's pretty good for a week with her. She's she's coming along really quickly. And then after that, I had had a message from one of my uh, former adopters. You took on an older pair of donkeys that are just getting eaten alive by flies, which I'm sure is a big issue throughout the country right now. Right. But we've had we've had a ton of rain too, and so it's it's just been worse than usual. And of course, if you have donkeys or mules, you know they love their legs, mm-hmm. and so apparently one of them was kicking when they were trying to get fly spray on her, and she wasn't catching oh. and spinning. And um, I got to find out today just how far she can kick because she actually kicked the fly spray puddle out of my hand and I was standing near her head. Um, so she she had some reach, um, it was quite impressive. So, um, but anyway, she, <laughs> so these, these two donkeys have been there for almost a year now. Ah. And I'm, I'm sure before they got there, they had, never been fly sprayed or anything like that but at the time when I adopted them out I think it was in the fall and they there weren't any flies so it wasn't something I was doing over winter
0: right um, it right it would have been
1: pretty tough <laughs> with sure and so they learned about blankets but they didn't learn about fly spray hmm. so I went out there and I'm just so glad that I have these adopters that that feel comfortable contacting me to do this because You know, it's not not always the case that people feel comfortable contacting the rescue and saying, hey, I'm having trouble. Can you help? Mm. You know, that can be really hard and intimidating for somebody. Sure. So, that makes me feel really great that I'm creating a safe environment for people to come to me and ask questions. So I, I went there only five minutes down the road from me, too, which makes <laughs> it really nice. So I stopped by, and we actually worked on getting socks on their legs. So what I do is, this is a fun hack if you have an animal that's getting eaten alive by flies, um, and especially if they're not a fan of fly spray, but they do handle with their feet and legs, Um, what you can do is you can actually get, like, men's athletic socks or children's athletic socks, depending on the size of your animal, obviously. These are kind of medium to large standards, so men's athletic socks worked really well. And so you want them really long and pretty stretchy, but also has some elasticity to them, so they're going to be tight. Okay. You cut out the toe. Right. Okay. And then you pick up the animal's foot, and what you have is you have a little square that will fit over their hoof of a shopping bag like a grocery shopping bag very thin plastic and you put it over the hoof capsule and you take one end the end that goes you know you put your toe in basically um so the easier end to uh, stretch and you put it over the hoof, and it slides right up and over that that plastic bag just makes it super easy it slips right on Hmm. you pull it up over the knee take the bag out from underneath put the hoof down and you've got the whole leg covered wow so it's super easy to do especially if your animal picks up their feet obviously you can't do it if you can't get to their feet however it's a really nice way to protect the leg and so we did that with uh, all their legs and they were so much happier because man they were being eaten alive and the flies just can't even bite through that so then you could always fly spray that and then you know they're really not going to eat their legs now these these socks will eventually You know stretch out so it'll probably be a week where they'll stay on really well and then after that week you'll have to pull them up several times a day and after about two weeks I've found you really just have to replace them they'll just kind of hang out around their fetlocks oh yeah 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 and you don't need anything to replace them at that point they're stretched out enough you just pull them over the hoof and you add new ones and it's super cheap I mean even if you have your husband's old socks that he doesn't like anymore or maybe the ones he does, if you really don't like him, you could use the ones that he does like. But <laughs> 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 um, Yeah. You know, you could be uh-huh. like All the donkeys needed it more, sweetie. <laughs> but uh but I mean even you go to Walmart, it's super cheap to get a big package of <laughs> them and it it'll last at least for two weeks. So you go through what, if you have one donkey or a mule, you go through, you know, eight eight socks a month it's not that expensive I know Um, it's perfect it's perfect and and also the cost of fly spray you could be oh sure not bothering your animal with it and instead using socks
0: my husband's sock drawer it uh, it diminished on its own and he got suspicious and then his underwear started disappearing but my (laughs) saddles and my tack are so clean (laughs)
1: i was starting to wonder where you were going there yeah (laughs) um when you got to the underwear i was a little concerned but that's okay i mean whatever floats
0: your boat well you know it's
1: now now i
0: completely it it works it's it's really really good for that so and it's the perfect size so i mean what can i say i
1: mean there's a lot of good uses for underwear let me just say yeah there you go never know <laughs>
0: <laughs> so So now you um uh, you're thinking about doing a magazine?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I've I've gone back and forth on it. Um it, it turns out that the name that I wanted for it actually has been used before with a magazine that's no longer in publication. So I'm probably not gonna use the name I was thinking of, sure. which was the asset. Um, which apparently has been used before. And so I didn't know that. So I'm not going to be using that name. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually thinking of like something like Aspirations. Oh, cool. (laughs) Um, Sure. Which I don't think has been used. Maybe Uh somebody will talk to me after this and tell me it has. But um, what was interesting was I got kind of a bit of pushback on it when I mentioned it online um, with with folks telling me that I, I really should instead... Uh, contribute to magazines that are already in publication mm, yeah. to which I responded well nobody is paying me to do that so <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to okay. do something that you know the whole point is you know I'm making sure. my living at right. doing this work right? and so there's a certain point at which yes I really enjoy giving information to people however there's a reason you know I wrote the books and uh, exactly I have the book series and, and sure. I do educational events and, and I do need to you know Honor the fact that my time is valuable, and also mm-hmm. my education right. is valuable, and the amount of time that I've put into gaining that education is valuable. So, yes, I love giving information to people who need it, but also, I do think that my education and time should be valued monetarily. So, and the, I don't think there's any reason to to argue that. So I thought that was kind of interesting that I got a little pushback on that, but, kind of where I'm headed with it. I I started doing a little bit of formatting with it and and actually writing some articles through Canva and just kind of messing around with with making something that looked pretty cool for, for a magazine format. And what I'm thinking, because one of the things one of my friends told me who's worked with magazines before is magazines have a shelf life, right? So that's the main problem with producing them is that you have to get subscriptions, you have to get enough subscriptions, and then it's sort of a gamble as to whether you'll get them all sold because after a certain point, you know, your fall issue is no longer in in circulation or, or uh, what's the word that I'm looking for, that it's, it's no longer, you know, recent or current okay so it right it, so then you've lost out on money if you've created more so then i was thinking well you know we could do an online thing but a lot of people push back against that well everything's online why don't you do something that you can hold so i've gone back and forth on it the way that i'm i'm thinking about the thing i'm thinking about doing now that i've sort of played around with the formatting is creating something that's magazine like in nature that people could actually buy physical copies of Sure. that would maybe be um, instead of a full manual or book like I've been writing something like just a section so for, for instance um, just on fly spraying or fly control oh, or yeah. just on nutrition so it could be like a little mini manual okay. and those wouldn't have a shelf life but they could have more of a magazine like feel and, and be shipped to people and be something that wouldn't um, expire over time, and yet somebody wouldn't have to buy the whole book or they, you cool. know, if they're just having sure. an issue with that specific thing. Yeah. That maybe that would be something they'd be interested in. I and like I could that. So, a little more in depth right. on each of those topics.
0: Um, so, are you looking at doing this like once a month, or are you, you going to do it like for, you know, maybe take three months off because? You I mean you could do it for like nine months and call it asinine and <laughs> and then take three months off that because you need three months to get your hay in and everything else. But um but no, I was I mean, truly, are you gonna do this quarterly or is it gonna be monthly or
1: you know, I feel like it doesn't necessarily need to have um, have a time any, thing. Okay, yeah, any sort of time limit. Only because if I start writing them, say I wrote two or three right away, those could all go on the market, and somebody could buy whichever one they want, whenever. It could just sure. be something that I keep in stock, like my books. I order with my books the way that I work it is I keep a few in stock but I basically reorder every time I get low right and so that's nice because I don't have a whole lot of stock sitting around gathering dust I wait until orders come in and I can do it on demand basically and um, that's been that's been lovely that that the uh, print shop that I work with works with me on that they don't make me get you know 500 copies at a time or anything like that oh yeah yeah I can go in and order 10 or 20 and it and that's fine so I was thinking about doing it very similarly to the books and but it would it would have more like a magazine feel and um and and just maybe be full color and just kind of a little bit more in depth on some of the topics that I already talked about or some of the topics that I'd like to talk about more but aren't necessarily pertinent to any of my books specifically, like things I'd like to go into depth on with training that just wouldn't really fit in there perfectly. So just some thoughts about, you know, some kind of continuing education type topics that would make almost a nice little mini manual, basically, that that people could actually hold and have. Uh, Just because I, I know that I personally, I know it costs more, but I personally really like physical copies of things. It's very hard for me with stuff online. I even have trouble watching videos of training online. I know a lot of people like them, and I know a lot of people Hmm. ask me for that specifically, which is a whole nother thing. Yeah, right, right. The problem with doing videos here is that you might have one month out of the year that it's not going to be 60-mile-per-hour winds. So I'm not entirely sure how to handle that because my... My my camera will always be leaving and and getting pushed somewhere else. But also, it's very loud, and so uh, I know I could do voiceovers, but man, sure, it's sure. challenging here with the weather.
0: Right, so, right. So, do you have an indoor arena? I don't. No. Okay. So Everything
1: is outside. So I train. Okay. 365 days a year outdoors basically it could be negative 20 i'm going to be out there doing something Mm. um probably not a whole lot of trading, mostly care but i I will be out there um and so it it really doesn't matter what weather it is i'm i'm in it
0: (laughs) well i'm i'm sending a basket of skin lotion to you for
1: christmas (laughs) I feel like I might need to just bathe in it by Christmas. (laughs) I'll just just send you a picture of me and it's like going to be like a bubble bath yeah, skin cream like from head to
0: toe. Rachel, tell us about a little bit more about the hoof care thing. I mean, how, how would you schedule that? I mean, are you saying like once a month, every six weeks? I mean, what, what kind of hoof growth are we talking about on a donkey?
1: So, it depends on what they're eating and what ground they're on. So, there's... I actually just got two donkeys in from Texas that were on some pretty, apparently, rough and rocky ground because mm. they hadn't had their feet done in a while, and, and honestly, they were pretty good. I mean, fairly short. They needed they needed some trimming, but it, nothing extreme, and so... If you have the kind of ground that's really going to wear down your donkey's hooves, you're in luck. Out here, we don't. And so, most people don't have that. So, depending on what you're feeding them and the time of year, I would say eight weeks is pretty much the maximum you should go in terms of hoof care. Sure. Um, and your farrier will really appreciate it if you're working on that hoof lifting and continuing to work on it. So even if the donkey is pretty good, yeah. it's really nice to get training sessions in where you just text your donkey up, reward them for picking up their feet or practice picking up their feet, and give them some scratches just make it really pleasant and part of your daily routine picking them out is really great so that they get used to them being handled and your farrier will also really appreciate it if you buy yourself a little hoof stand or make a little hoof stand out of you know or just a little jack with a little uh you know rubber tip on top
0: oh and
1: start yeah putting your your donkey's feet on a jack so that they can start sure. using a hoof stand with them. That that really helps our backs out. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. All of those things will really make your farrier want to come back. I know that in a lot of places in the country, it's hard to find a donkey farrier uh, that's both good and is willing to work with donkeys. And so I think that treating your farrier nicely by training your donkey is is probably the best thing you can do.
0: Wow. Oh. Well, those are good tips. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, okay, so uh, tell us how we can get in touch with you. I know you're on Facebook and you also have
1: a website. So so if you go to www.heehawhalfwayhouse.com, that's my rescue site and it also has information on buying books in the Starting the Doggy book series. I have a book on care for donkey ownership I have a book on starting donkeys under saddle and I have a book on starting donkeys in their training journey from zero uh, that goes over all the topics including that hoof care that we're talking about and uh, hoof handling safely and uh, so all of that can be found there as well as ordering directions and then I can also be found on Facebook either at Hee Haw, Halfway House, Donkey Rescue and Education on Facebook. Or you can look up the Starting the Donkey book series on Facebook as well. And both of those have information on care. I oftentimes write short articles about training and care on the Hee Haw, Halfway House um, Facebook page. And that's a really great place to get some tips and tricks and that kind of thing as well.
0: Now, I
1: really have to ask this,
0: but... When you go by, do people ever say, hey, there goes the ass lady? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so usually I get called the donkey lady a lot. The donkey
0: lady. Okay. That yeah, that sounds I a little. I
1: get called the ass lady a whole bunch, <laughs> but I would really appreciate it if people would switch to calling me that because it would be so much better and so much funnier. So anybody who feels like saying, hey, ass lady, when I go by, I, I will definitely give you a thumbs up. <laughs> Really
0: important to my life. <laughs> you are you're a hoot to talk to, Rachel Ann. Thanks for coming back on, and uh, we will talk soon. Awesome. Well, thank you,
1: Cindy. I appreciate
0: it. Okay. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor, send me an email: cindy c i n d y at every dot Gotta go. My mule is looking for me.
1: Meal talk is an every cowgirl's dream production.